I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Book Stories, a podcast about the business and culture of book selling in the 21st century. Today, we're back in LA. I talked to B and Leah Koch, the two sisters who own and operate the Ripped Bodice, the country's only all romance bookstore. I gotta say, I was completely in over my head, knowing nothing about the genre or its readers beforehand. But what struck me early on was B and Leah's vision and their savviness in testing their proof of concept with the wildly successful Kickstarter campaign, which you'll hear about in the episode. It turns out romance is big business, but shockingly underrepresented. Romance acolytes are loyal and eager. We talked about the industry, their grand visions, concerns, and I even got a primer on Fabio. I sat down with the two of them inside their store in Culver City. They were a dynamic duo in every sense. Here's our chat. I actually admire you guys. I don't know if I don't know if I we emailed, but I tried to open a culinary concept, a bookstore concept a couple of years ago in Silver Lake. That's where I live. Mm-hmm. And uh, your Kickstarter was like a huge inspiration. So we'll talk about that in the podcast. But oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything about the genre. You guys are going to hopefully give me an education today. Love to but, do that. Um, so that's it. So we'll, I figure we'll talk. I'm going to ask you some questions about the business, your background kind of your thoughts on the industry because you came from outside the industry and then saw all of the press that you guys did. So you guys are pros. Uh, some people had never, didn't even know like what a podcast was, but it's, I'm getting, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting the whole gamut, which is great. Yeah. Is great. And that's, I think that's an interesting thing to say about bookseller. You know, some of us are very millennial. We have a lot of experience with Social media, all that kind of stuff. And there's an older... I would argue there's that not older. that many of us Generation are of booksellers. How many millennial booksellers have you talked yeah, to? No, that, that is... And the cool thing about what you guys have done is... That's inspiring to anybody who wants to do something like this is that you took something extremely niche and you kickstarted it. So you proof of concepted it and then you're doing it. And you guys have been in business since 2015. So let's start at the beginning. What is the origin story of the store? I read all the press. I know all the things that other people have written about it, but I want to hear in your words, how did this come about? Um, two sisters coming up with a super niche bookstore concept and then actually executing it. It's uh, This is B. I'm the older sister. And um, the it happened in one conversation, which is really how most things in our lives happen. We are, we have an idea and we're pretty confident that it was, we had, it was a really good idea and we just kind of moved on it. So a lot of people ask us like, oh, did you market research all this kind of stuff? And it was like, nope. We just, well, there wasn't anything to market research. There wasn't anything to market research. And (laughs) we we also, but, but it was, it's a billion dollar a year industry. We knew that it had been proved in other ways. So the idea that a bookstore didn't exist to service this genre and industry was shocking. And then we just we just knew it would work. Yeah. We so we were both coming out of school. B was in graduate school and I was an undergraduate um here in California and we we were really just talking about what we wanted to do with the rest of our lives um and the answer was um you know 
promote women's work and find a way to incorporate all the things that we're interested in into one job um, and also not work for other people. Um, and and we ended up here. Um, yeah. and, and like B said, it was really, it kind of was a, a um, I want to say lightning bolt, but a light bulb, um, light bulb moment. Um, this is a great idea. And we, we really didn't look back much. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty looking, looking forward from that point on. Did you know the data point of it being a billion dollar a year oh, yeah. industry? Yeah. So I did, I did my graduate work in, uh, costume history and romance theory, which okay. are two things that you might not think go together, but, um, historical romance has a lot of, uh, historical clothing detail in it. So I was writing about that and about the genre itself and just learning all this stuff about it, realizing the market value of it, realizing that women were reading it and writing it and producing it, and that that must have something to do with the lack of representation in bookstores. Um, and that factoid that you mentioned, billion dollars, that was, you know, our selling point from the get-go. I think right. we, we were saying that every... Yeah, how can, how can there be a billion-dollar industry but no retail outpost for that? And I think that kind of speaks... Again, this is a lot of this is going to be um, my naivete, and I'm hoping you guys can, like, course-correct me. But isn't a lot of that just sort of a stigma? Is that is it people don't want to walk into stores like this? Or well, that, I was think, that kind of the reason why it had never existed before, as opposed to, say, a comic book store where it's kind of like... I think it's a chicken and egg. I okay. think romance readers have been trained that booksellers are going to laugh at them. And why would you patronize a store where you're going to be laughed at for asking for the books you want to read? So that's a real problem. And we work very hard to educate our fellow booksellers that this isn't something... You should be laughing at. Don't you want to make money? <laughs> Don't we all want to make money? So who yeah. who bit first? Who who is responsible for the lack of relationship between romance readers and independent bookstores is a larger question. I also think it's hard to speculate on why no one was doing this, but it I also think it's partly a math question. Yeah. You have to think about the amount of people who are willing to open an independent bookstore. Yeah. And then you have to think about the amount of people who would want it to be romance only. Math-wise, it's a very it's a very low number. Right. And so and you and you so you decided, you make the decision that you want to do this. Why um was it just were you both living here? Why LA? Why mm-hmm. Culver City? Why this particular spot? Like what about what about your research told you that this would be a good space for this concept? We were living in Los Angeles. Um, B moved to Los Angeles to basically test it out, see if she could live here. She didn't think she could. Yeah, but where, did you, where did you come from? Uh, at that point, I was living in New York because I was oh, in graduate yeah, school at yeah. NYU. Before that, I was in New Haven because I was at Yale. And before that, I was in Chicago. So I was a Midwest, East Coast girl. Right, had right. no interest Big in change. the West Coast. Yeah. But I, I didn't want to move. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I think I just I, I think I just won the argument. <laughs> yeah, and I was I I'm happy we opened here first. I think it was a great testing ground. I think the uh, having the movie and industry here is yeah yeah a very important. We are in Culver City. We're right down the street from Sony. So, um, it's another area that's historically ignored romance. Romance novels have not been developed into TV and film in the way you were leading into a question I had, which is great that they should. So we're we kind of see ourselves as ambassadors, really, Um, and we are right here in the heart of the studios, 
producers, people come in here all the time and ask us, and we are honored and really take that very seriously as cool. as liaisons between the two. Yeah. And it, yeah, in terms of why Culver City, we really just like the neighborhood. Yeah. No, this is a great street. This is where they have the farmer's market too, right? Yeah. Uh, on Tuesdays? Or, it's, yeah. It's very neighborhoody. Yeah. And yeah, we were we, really searching for that. Yeah. It's, it's hard in Los Angeles to find really centralized downtown areas. Um, Culver City does have this like two or three block downtown where people actually walk around. Um... And we, yeah, we really just liked the neighborhood. Did you have the location set before the Kickstarter? No. No. So let's talk about the Kickstarter. 91,000 or so raised, 599 backers, which is really cool. It's Damn, so cool. We were just one away from six talk, No, talk about that. Like, what, what, what did that tell you? So you're two, two sisters... You got to be a little nervous at this point. Like, okay, we're going to like, we're going to be entrepreneurs. We're going to open a a bookstore and bookstores. There's this whole narrative. There's this whole narrative that bookstores are, are fading away. Um, but we're going to do it. And then you decide, you come up with the idea to like test your, some of the, some of the notion was that we're going to test this out on Kickstarter, right? Mm -hmm. How, how, what would, what did the response tell you? How did that make you guys feel? Like what was the, what was the whole sort of, you, you click submit or whatever Kickstarter's button. And then what happens? What, what are you guys, what are you guys doing? Go live or launch. Yeah, or we were yeah, we were sitting in our house. You, you like, have to submit a draft, and then they approve it, and then you go live, and then what do you guys do? What happens? We were just watching. You sit there and you stare at it. It roll in, and um, we had a publicist for our Kickstarter, okay. and I would really encourage people looking at our numbers to consider how we got those numbers. It was we had to put money in to get that money okay. out, and that's a truth of Kickstarter. I wish more people would talk about it. Um, we our publicist helped direct us. Okay, you need to build up your Twitter followers. You need to reach out to these authors. You need to reach out to these people, these journalists, because they cover Kickstarter projects. You need to reach out to this person and this person, not that person. And through doing that, we had built up this network of people who we knew when we went live would immediately your share little army, it. initial army, exactly, Got it. and help us boost it. Um, yeah, and it's a God, I. I can't even imagine doing it now. I feel like we know so much. No, it would be so different. It would be so different. It's it's a month long, and I feel like we plan. We were we were we'd plan for the first three hours. <laughs> and yeah, then and like, then we're okay, like, now what do we do? Oh, cool. Um, but it's a month long, and you have to momentum builds and drops and builds and drops, and people forget about you, and you don't think you're going to make it, and then so it, it's it's such a crazy timeline. Um, it was also, we had been members of this community as readers. We had been mm-hmm. anonymous members of the community. To put yourself forward, say, I want to do this. I think I'm the person to do this. I think we know what we're do- We can do this. We know what we're doing um, was terrifying. And to get such a positive response back was really meaningful. And I think it really... But it, it's also, you go... You go from I don't maybe twenty people knowing about your concept to that hundreds of thousands yeah. Yeah. In, in an instant, um, and that that's really that was really jarring for us. 
What was the distribution like? Was it mostly local supporters or was it spread out all over the place? It was really widespread. It was very we never widespread. did like a map. We should still do what that. What do you make of that? What, what was the, What did that tell you? That people in, let's that just it, say, Wichita, Kansas were, were that supporting they, it. They're so excited. They're so, they so want a romance That bookstore. they do not care that they might never get there in person. Yep. That it's really about the community and the concept and... Yeah. I mean, we had a lot of international supporters as well. And that's one of those things that I didn't really think about when opening a bookstore, that you're also opening a community space. So people feel like they have ownership over that space um, in some way or another. For sure. And the Kickstarter allowed them to actively buy in. Like, I have paid for a part of this, and I feel real financial stake in it. Um, People come all the time and say, oh, I was your one of your original Kickstarter backers. Yeah, we backers. still get people. So we're over two years in now. We still get people who it's their first visit. I could finally make it, but I gave money two and a half years ago. Yeah. And they want to take a picture. You know, we have on our shelves, we have sponsored shelves from our Kickstarter backers. They want to find them that, themselves on the shelf and take a picture. And it's like a really meaningful, cool thing to, to oh, see I people. See some, yeah, it's really cool. It's actually kind of clever. So they have, they're, they're, they're kind of enshrined in the space. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, on your website, you guys have a link uh, called the Diversity Report. Um, you also commissioned a report about diversity. Can you talk about the intent we, there? We, we do, do it, it ourselves. ourselves. Oh, you do it yourselves. Yep. Okay. So it's an in-house report that you guys are doing. Talk about the intent, findings, and overall lay of the land on what's going on there. Um, romance has a real romance publishing has a real problem um, with publishing non-white authors. Okay. And um, it's something we were vaguely aware of as readers, um, but when we became, when this became our entire lives, uh, within three months of opening, it was just like banging us over the head. A constant awareness of this huge lack of something. In People this- coming in the store asking for this or that. Yeah. And yes, not being able and to- a genre that we love and we've promoted as inclusive and important for women, not servicing a huge amount of women. And that was a problem for us that we realized, like we said, we like to make money. We sell um, diverse books here all the time. And we knew if there were more, we would be selling more books. So that was just simple math. We think we could be making more money. Does this industry exist outside of the United States? Is there there like a Japanese romance industry? Yes. There's actually over in the corner over there, um, those are Filipino romances. Yes, okay. the Philippines has an enormous romance industry. I mean, not enormous, a powerful romance industry, let's call it that, um, that was completely started by authors. They just yeah. built it from the ground up. They designed their own covers. They do these big events where they have actors come and read their books to huge crowds. It's it's really fascinating, impressive yeah. um, thing they've built and over UK, there. And the UK and Australia. and I mean, there, there are a lot of others. So what is the goal of your, your report? Are you trying right. to, are okay. you trying to so, push, are you trying to get more writers into yes. the, into the fold? Yes. Well, so, well, we're putting the onus on publishers. The, the diversity report tracks the exact number of books published by the big five and then some smaller and independent presses. It's 20 publishers. 20 publishers. Um, how many books they've published by women of color. That's all. That's authors of color. Authors of color. That's all it is. So we hear from a lot of people that the onus should be on readers. They should be reading more books by authors of color or that the authors of color are not submitting books to the publishers, which is truly the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. Um, so the publishers are the ones who need to be publishing these books, 
putting marketing dollars behind these books, and figuring it out. Do they not get that the the pool of customers has nope. changed? No, that is nope. publishing is very slow. Wow. And they romance sure is not <laughs> slow. Romance is very fast because yeah. romance has self-publishing to a degree that almost no other genre does. So people can respond to market changes almost instantaneously. Three months, they can put out, I mean, some people can put it out in like one month, which is crazy. But the publishers take much, much longer years of acquiring and editing and then putting the book out. So they're not responding to these trends fast enough. And diversity is not a trend. It's I, not a trend. I hate saying that. It's, that's wrong. I, I'm 100% wrong for saying that. But they need to respond to the demand. And um, this is the report is what we felt as booksellers we could contribute to the conversation. Because there are, this is not a new concept. Um, there are so many authors and readers and bloggers who have been, you know, fighting this fight for literally decades. Um, and what we felt we could contribute was hard data because somebody is always going to say, oh, there isn't actually a problem. You've invented the problem. Well, now we can, you're lying. There's also a, there's a bigger issue in romance, which is there have been some very visible successes of women of color, authors of color. Amazing. You cannot tokenize those people. You don't get one and then you get to move on and pretend like the issue you've, papered over the issue. So mm-hmm. we love the authors who get a lot of attention and we love we love their books too. But there are so many authors of color in this industry who are just not getting a chance. It's not a level playing field. That's the other thing we always say. Like there's just inherent bias in publishing and we need to address that. Even if it's uncomfortable conversation, like yeah, no, it's get so uncomfortable. Cool you guys are having the conversation and you're already in a niche and within that niche you're exposing this you know, gross imbalance. So it's really cool to see that you guys are doing it. Have you made any progress? No. Or, or well, the fact that you <laughs> the fact that you started this is 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 a, is a little bit of a success in and of itself. But I, yeah, I think the question of progress is it's complicated gonna, in publishing mm-hmm. because what is progress? It's going to be hello slow. It's going to be slow. But I think this the conversation the continues. Conversation. Well, and I, we are coming on the backs of years of work. I yeah. mean, we are just furthering the conversation in an like Leah said, in a way that we think we we can add important information to it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I so God, that, I wish we could point to something and be like, this is, well, uh, yeah. Uh, so the second, second year report just came out. So we do it once, it's once a year. So 2017 just came out. Overall, the industry was down. Um, Numbers-wise, numbers wise, less books published by authors of color, despite the fact that more books were published as a total. Um, the lovely progress you speak of, the highest, uh, the publisher with the highest number of books written by authors of color, two weeks after the report came out, they announced they were closing. So hmm. it was a division. Progress! It was a division go. of Simon and go. Schuster. One, one, one at a time, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's not great right now. It's not going to be great for a while. Um, you, we've you've we've got to look ahead, and I feel like we've got to stay focused on the long game. Otherwise, you just like it's so depressing. But so we've got to think that if publishers care, which is a big if they may not, if they care that we're watching, then they're then they're looking two to three years out, and the five year numbers should look very different than the first year numbers. I think that's really a good benchmark. And if you get to five years and nothing's changed, then they don't care. 
Right. And that's fine. But there is a good amount of discussion about how they do care. So don't lie. Like, yeah. if you're fine publishing what only white authors right. are making that money, knock yourself out. But don't pretend like— But you can't like, lie. Yeah, don't make noise about diversity and then not do anything about Just it. Just say it. Just get, get the sound bite yeah, and, then, like, and then move on. All right. We yeah. all see you. Right. Um, on a lighter note— <laughs> This is a very light genre, despite <laughs> yeah, our— I know. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll get there. I'm hoping I can, I can get some insights. Um, do guys read romance novels? Yes. yes. They do. Yes. Okay. Um, of the ones that do, is it like what is their makeup? Is it for research purposes? Is it to better understand relationships? What's the? Is th- it for pure enjoyment? I think it's very tough to generalize, as anything is. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's all of those things. Okay. Um, so RWA is the Romance Writers of America, and they do like big surveys of readerships every couple of years. I think the most recent one is two thousand fifteen. Does that sound right? Yeah. So in that survey, it was 85% women, 15% men reading romance. Um, and they like That's do. That's not insignificant. No, it's no, pretty, it's, it's pretty decent. Um, and uh it would be my own guess that maybe, I don't know, 50 to 60% of those men are reading gay romance. Does that sound right to you? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, but I think it's all I think it's all the things you mentioned. I think I'll, I think mainly it's because they enjoy it. Um, I think a lot of people read with their partners. Yeah, that's what we see in here a lot is partners who are reading together. Interesting. Um, who enjoy the same books or maybe they enjoy completely different, like one of the guy likes paranormal romance, the woman likes historical, whatever it is. But a lot of times men will come in here and say, oh, I read one of my partner's books and now I, I want, I liked that. Yeah, and they get a lot of. But I didn't. I didn't like this part of it, or whatever. And then we find them their own romance. And like many, many couples, I think there are a lot of people who enjoy sharing books together, um, and that extends to romance. Um, And I think there's, you know, some uh, always a good deal of curiosity. You know, people who are going to try something out for the first time. Um, But I think it's. I don't know. That wasn't a very good answer, but <laughs> all, all, all the things. <laughs> are there male authors? Yes. Yes. There are. What percentage would you, is there any idea, sense of how many? I'd say less than five. It's very okay. small. So there it's, is some. And do they, do they sell? Like, are they, are they, they have, yeah. they have audiences? It is almost entirely in the gay romance or space. Or a man who is writing with his wife and they write under a female name. We have a couple. Have a couple of those. Husband and wife writers teams. with a, with a. Pen name. Yeah. Yes. But they o- almost always write under a female name. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's small. Um, I can think of one. Uh, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know how he identifies his sexuality, but he writes heterosexual romance. Nico Rosso. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and Eric Jerome Dickey. Eric Jerome Dickey. That's a um, those are like the only two I can think of off the top of my head. No, I really can't um, think of many. I mean, a, a lot of people mention Nicholas Sparks to us, but he is not a romance novelist. Hmm. So. Actually, okay, scratch. 
Um, His books don't end happily. Some, yeah. Most of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going we're to talk yeah. about that too. I have another one. You probably know which one I'm going to ask about it, but it's a very popular movie. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the, this, so we talked about it. This is a one year, one billion a year industry. That is not insignificant at all. What makes, that, that suggests to me that there's a lot of repeat business. There's a lot of repeaters. What, what about, um, get philosophical or whatever, but what <laughs> makes romance readers repeaters? What is it about the genre that makes keeps them coming back? Well, so serial readers as opposed to just like I picked off I picked up a nonfiction book off the shelf and I read about this new area that I never learned about before, but I'm never going to come back to that again. The genre itself is serialized. Almost all romance is uh, in series form. Uh, so you read one book, you gotta read the next one, you gotta read the next one, you gotta read the next one. If you like it. Very, very economically savvy. They know how to keep them coming back. And yeah, romance readers are um, voracious. I think it's three books a week. Most romance readers read at least three books a week. That's more than most people read in a year. It's truly shocking when you compare the numbers and also think about how many books they are then buying and this huge book buying population is not being serviced by most bookstores. It's really crazy, but uh, romance readers buy their books from all different places and they don't, most people don't have one place. Most people aren't like, I only read ebook. They read ebook and print books. They listen to audio books. They read serialized books from um, fan fiction sites. They get newsletters from their favorite author. Like they're just reading constantly in a way that I think most booksellers don't really think about like all the it's different ways. It's not just the book; it's the ecosystem around the books sure. too. Exactly. And, and if you want to, if you want to get philosophical, yeah, um, romance is happy. Mm-hmm. It's there are books about hope and happiness, and people read for a lot of different reasons. Um, most romance readers read because it makes them happy. Therefore, they do it a lot because they want to feel happy a lot. Um, So I think that's a big part of why people read so much. It's Um, also the modern romance reader is, um, it's not a monolith, but our our modern romance reader, let's say, um, is steeped in romance beyond just the books they're reading. They frequently are on Twitter and they follow some of their favorite authors or they they follow them on Facebook or whatever. They talk about it with their friends or their friends online, if not their in real life friends. But romance is a a conversation starter for a lot of people. It's like something that they think about all the time. So I think it makes complete sense that then they're looking for that in their fictional entertainment as well. Um, A lot of like binge culture, I think, binge watching um romance is the original yes i've been trying to like think of how to say this thing. but yeah like you like, guys were there first yeah it's yeah. so interesting like to me when would, people are like oh i'm net i'm gonna netflix this whole series because romance readers for years we called it glomming like i'm gonna glom this whole series what does that mean is that short for something uh, yeah i don't know, I don't know. It's like this ro- I, i'm sure it's i'm sure but other people as use you it. would watch a whole season of stranger things in a weekend you'd read a whole eight book series in a weekend yeah like non, like you just finish one, go to the next. I kind of got that sense with the Game of Thrones people too. The before the show came out, the that community was like, oh, yeah, like we already like we read all the we read all the books, right? And know? and some big series like that, they have like their own complete fan worlds. Romance has that for the entire genre, so wow. it's it's really an enormous group of people who are like a hive minding kind of constantly buzzing about romance, 
And to be tapped into that as a bookstore is, is really fun. That's cool. It's exhausting too. <laughs> um, I got lots of it, lots of stuff I want to co- cover. Sure, um, we can I'm, also be less long winded. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, 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 we're no, chatty. I love, as fuck. I love this is the whole point of the <laughs> we'll medium. We'll start talking. The whole point less. of the medium. The, li- the lightning round is for that. But I wanna I wanna uh, start to jam a little bit so I can keep you be respectful of your time as well. Um, what's in your romance one on one kit? Someone walks into your store that's never been into the into the genre but is curious. Uh, encapsulate for me. Um, what that entails. I think it's very clever that you guys have one of those because you can kind of like give someone a token to get into your world. But what is that all about? Um, it depends on the subgenre you're looking for. So now we need to get into subgenres, <laughs> but I swear I'll be fast. You said um, you mentioned paranormal, which right. is like that's a genre. Right. Yeah. Sub-genre. Okay. So his romance is the genre. If you go to another bookstore and they have a romance section, which is very, very rare, it's romance and you've got everything. We only sell romance. Right. So our bookstore is divided into romance subgenres. And the four major ones are contemporary, historical, paranormal, and erotica. I can explain any of those if you'd like, but I tend to think they're fairly self-explanatory. Um, so those are the four major ones. And then there's more within those. So within contemporary, we have um, romantic suspense, which is like thrillers and mysteries. Which is, and then there's romantic suspense paranormal there's romantic suspense historical like we could go so granular so specific we have young adult we have lgbtq plus which is why we really say there is a romance for everyone within historical you've got highlanders you've got victorian you've got american historicals set during all different times in american history usually around wars um they're dramatic yeah (laughs) paranormal is things like witches and vampires and you've got historical paranormal where you're in the past and everybody's a vampire there's a lot of different (laughs) things so i like i really like you have you have you have sub-genre specific kits yes Yes. so you come in um and and we want to find you the perfect book so which i will say we feel an enormous amount of pressure because a lot of people come in here and say, I've never read romance. And we know we have one shot. Like, we j- we have to recommend right. the perfect book to get them into the genre. You've got one shot like no other genre does. Because if you read a book and you're like, I didn't like this, you're not going to say, I'm never going to read fiction again. Right. But most people say, I read this one book and I didn't like it, so I don't like romance. And all the time when they say that, I'm like, oh, what was the book? And they're like, oh, it was this weird vi- vampire romance. I'm like, oh, do you read much paranormal literature? And they're like, no, I would never. So then why was that the first romance you yeah, picked? Yeah. I mean, that's just on you. I'm sorry. That's one, not on the one genre. One of the cool things about uh, booksellers um, and indie bookstores and why people like me and so many others frequent them is because you come in and you can talk to an individual who can kind of shape, form exactly the kind of book that you need to have in your hands. Every, yeah. As everything opposed to else, just like, oh yeah, this is a good book. Read it. Whether, everything else that we do is secondary to that. Yeah. It's uh, the yeah, most important sure. thing. Um, I still haven't answered your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so... Um, well, I'll just answer it generally. It's, it's, we, we're trying to give people, I'm terrible at holding a microphone. Um, we're trying to give people, um, a really broad view of the genre and everything it contains. So we do have genre specific kits, but like there is one that has one historical, one contemporary, one paranormal, one erotica so that people really can, and, and they tend to be very, and we try to choose books that are very different from each other. So Mm -hmm. you can see that both of these things are a romance, but they're so different from each other that if you not liking one, doesn't you have anything to do with you liking a different one? Cause they're so different. Yeah. I think that's a good. And I think it's really cool that you guys do that because it's uh, um, a lot of people 
want to feel like they can access something. And if you make it easier for them to do that, then you'll just, you're just bringing more people into the community. Truth. Um, we, you mentioned it earlier, but I'm just curious from like, just like a global, like, uh, um, macro sort of a perspective, have any film or TV adaptations been made from books within the genre? Yes. Um, so not, not including 50 shades. There's a new company. Um, called Passion Flicks, okay. which is uh, female-owned and operated. It's run by a woman named Tosca Musk. Um, they are adapting it. <laughs> That's Elon Musk's sister. Yeah. It is, yes. Cool. Um, she's She started her own company to make romance into TV. Um, it's all online. It's it's not released in in theaters. Um, and they've done, I think, like four book adaptations. I think four out so far. So it's starting. Home, Hallmark has done has done a bunch. Yeah, um, Hallmark has been the place for years. They've done Susan Mallory. They tend to buy like, Debbie McAmer and Susan Wiggs books. Um, like very small town. It's very white. Um, contemporary. Yeah. Um, they uh they've done a couple uh, Zane books, right? Um, yeah. Zane is a uh, African American author um, who does like kind of. Thrillery, erotic thrillers, erotic thrillers. Yeah, the um, big Outlander is um, frequently mentioned in this conversation. Outlander is not a romance because the author says because it's the not. author says it's not. It's an author self-selecting genre. Oh, so I mean, there are rules. Like you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of a famous author. Like Dan Brown can't just be like my books are romance. Like, well, you have to obey, follow the rules. There's there's a there's a checklist. There's right. two there's things. Two. It's yeah. you have to have a happy ending. Has to have a central love story. That's it. So but there you, are a lot of books that have that that the author wouldn't be like read my romance. So yeah. at some point, the author has to say, yeah, a lot of it is a marketing decision. Anyway, so Outlander is a big um, romantic. TV show that a lot of romance readers sure. like. Um, Discovery of Witches is coming out next year, I think, at yeah. some point. it's We love that series. It's by Deborah Harkness. She's a USC professor. She's awesome and brilliant. And she wrote this great series about vampires and witches and Ox- and, in Oxford, um, which they just adapted. So we're really excited for that. But we'd love to see more, especially in this moment where um, – the female gaze is so important, I think. Yeah. Uh, romance is from the female point of view most of the time. I, th- certainly books go back and forth. You get chapters from both perspectives, but um, the the gaze is female. And I think if someone was to tap into that, they would could really find something quite unusual here. I read that you guys don't stock books from the Fifty Shades series. That's correct. Why is that? Explain that to me, because to some, to a Luddite, to a romance Luddite, I guess I, that to me is like the quintessential romance novel. Sure, we or, don't or, talk about. Do you want to talk about? I don't mind. Briefly. Oh, and if it's a, and Briefly. if it's not something you guys want to talk about, you can edit it out. It's not a big deal. It's just, it's, I, it's, it's up, really complicated. It, it's up to you. What do you? Think? Did I open a Pandora's box? No, no. no. I'll, I'll say this. So, romance is a a very. Uh, insular in some way, com- some ways, community. And when people outside the community um, choose something like that to pick on, then people inside the community don't want to join in on that. Is what I would say. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's like I, people always knock Fifty Shades of Grey for like being so terribly written. All these things. It's like, okay, but do you really know what you're talking about? So that's one thing. On the other side, 
we believe, many people believe that the relationship in Fifty Shades of Grey is an abusive relationship. Oh, that's interesting. And you and you not, mentioned you mentioned happy endings, not because of the kind of sex they practice. It, it has, has nothing, nothing to, to do, do with, with that BDSM. Um, it's not. That's not what we're talking about. Um, but if you ask anyone who is remotely familiar with BDSM and safe BDSM practices, that is not what is happening in that book. Um, Are you guys familiar with the show Billions on Showtime? Yeah, sure. Our dad that, loves that show. <laughs> that there's a there's a huge sort of like subplot with with BDSM and the way it's explored. And there was something I read where they were comparing and contrasting it to what you say in the Fifty Shades movie, and it's a little more correctly and appropriately. Uh, represented in billions. I mean, we have plenty um, of BDSM romance here. BDSM is a huge fetish. People are very interested in it because of Fifty Shades of Grey yeah. in some ways. But also long before that. But also long before that. And in the romance community, it's just such a lightning rod. It's also a very old book. Yeah. It came out in 2006. No, no, yeah. Six, 2006. God, it's really old. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it was published many, many years ago. And so many books are published in romance that it's like, why do we have to keep talking about this one? But not, I completely understand why you would ask about it. And the, and the main reason I ask is because I'm more interested in the fact that you don't stock it. And I, the, some of the listeners of the, sh- of the, of the podcast series are going are gonna to be like me. And they're going to be like, well, romantic bookstore, Fifty Shades of Grey. And so you guys have drawn a line in this hand. And it's interesting. You mentioned this notion of there being happy endings. Mm-hmm. And um, that right there is the crux of it for me. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. I, it's cool how you make that distinction within your own genre. Like there's... Yeah, I think ultimately we feel a lot of responsibility to sell sure. books that portray healthy sexual relationships um, and a lot of booksellers that I've talked to and just around the around the country, they stock what they what they like, what what represents sure. who they are. Absolutely. So, we also we have a very specific point of view in this bookstore. We have and very limited book space shelf right. space. So we don't really you have want to, curate. to give space. Yeah, we can't carry everything. No. We have to curate. Um and we would much more much rather have a book that no other like a lot of bookstores don't carry romance, but they have fifty shades of gray. Great, go buy it there. But we have space for something else. We have a different here. point of view. And mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. I'm going to skip the next question because you just answered it beautifully for me. Uh, <laughs> it was about curation. Um, what sells really well in the store that actually kind of surprises you guys? It sounds like there's some subgenres. It sounds like nothing surprises you guys in terms of what this genre can be, but what kind of moves um, here that you kind of are like, Whoa, I never thought that would sell. Well, I love building our new section. It's yeah, been a we real, do change a we lot. We change a lot, and we really try to respond. We're a neighborhood bookstore as well as a romance-only bookstore, so we want to make sure that we're servicing the community we're in. So we've really expanded our women's fiction section. Happy endings not guaranteed. Um, <laughs> our theory of romance section, which people are really interested in. Like, why is this genre so popular? Why has it been popular for so long? So we have books about that. Um, poetry middle grade, which was a section that we weren't servicing kids that age, um, but we had... That's like 7 to 13. Yeah, we had baby books and young adult, and we were just missing. And that's really when we like became such ardent romance readers, so we wanted to make sure we were putting those books. Right, and that and that age is... That you're not reading about, it's not kissing books, right? right. Um, yeah. But it's about love, not even that. About strong women, it's just yeah. about, uh, yeah, and about Find- characters that age that have interesting inner lives, yeah, and um, like finding yourself. And I think finding yourself before you enter a relationship is so important. So, like, we like to make sure that, that, yeah, that's interesting. I read that you encourage 
like 12 year old 12 was the number that I saw Mm -hmm. that's when we started reading I think that's about right um I I do think it's important like this is an extremely puritanical country romance has sex in it and giving kids the opportunity to engage with that on their own is so important and I know it's like kind of difficult to talk about but it it can enrich fantasy lives in such an amazing way it also there's all these conversations about consent which is why we care a lot about having books that have those conversations in the store. Um, But 12 is really when we started reading romance and when we really started understanding what the stories were talking about. And it was very important to both of our development. Dozens of small stores across the country are becoming mini chains now. This Something has happened like in the last seven, eight years. San Francisco's got a place. Seattle's got a place. Brooklyn's got a place. They have multiple locations. We've got what, Romans here. What is happening? Why, why are more stores opening when the media narrative is kind of the opposite and because they uh, don't pay your- attention to freaking reality. <laughs> like, not... Tell it like it is. <laughs> not to... Well, just from your vantage point, you guys are entrepreneurs. You've been in this business now for a couple of years. Um, this is a good sign. I'm, 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 I'm in, I'm, it I'm, is. This is a positive discussion, you're... but what are, you, what, are you seeing that other, what are you seeing that the larger sort of the Amazon culture is not seeing? If a, if a reporter comes in here with that narrative... You you literally have you haven't done any research. You, you're looking at numbers from ten years ago. You haven't. Yeah, you haven't even. ABA, which is American Booksellers Association, puts out numbers about how many bookstores are opening, mm-hmm. and those numbers have been trending up, up in year, so for years not, now. Yeah. So you're it's literally like, not. You didn't you even look at research. ABA. Um, <laughs> you came in to ask us about owning a book. Not you, right? Right. Generally, right, no, no. people like you come in to ask us questions, but. You don't it's know. It's gotta about be such an industry. annoying and thing to have still, to answer because it's still the general public. It's so yeah, interesting. interesting. So many people oh, um, are all like, oh, it's so cool to see a bookstore. They're all closing. No, they're not. You've yeah. just you're you're you've then seen all the articles that the people who didn't do the research wrote. So it's like a Yeah, there's this there's this weird societal dynamic where you kind of like they 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 like oh wow like are you going to be around next year? Yeah, it's confirmation and, bias in some yes, weird way. Yeah, that's, that's the word I was. That's the expression I was looking for. And you're it's, like, and it's this pushing of this narrative. Yeah, and and for us especially, it's so interesting because we are a genre bookstore. So then we get on top of it. It's like you opened a bookstore and you went so specific. Like you don't sell. How you could sell you do Wolf that? Book? Right. Yeah. And it, well, well, we did sell the Michael Wolf book to me. <laughs> <laughs> the only customer yeah. who wanted that book. <laughs> but it's so interesting the way people just accept that. Yeah, that e- narrative is still being no... pushed even though it's not based in reality anymore. Yeah. I, so uh, to answer your question, I think I think the industry has gone through a sea change very similar to to basically almost any retail business at different points in the last let's say 30 years and I I think it's sort of similar to the farmer's market revolution is that at some point people start to care about where whatever product comes from. Um, So everyone was suddenly obsessed with organic and buying local. Um, People realize, I think people started to realize, especially after all their independent bookstores closed like 20 years ago, this is not like yesterday um, that 
where they were buying something from really mattered and it could have a big impact on their community. Um, And I also think bookstores got more innovative. I I think we're seeing a lot of innovative book businesses popping up. The Bookmobile 20 stories. Yeah, we're talking to them next week. Oh, cool. I am obsessed with that. I think that's an amazing idea. I think it's so interesting. Just things like that where you think a little bit more critically about not only the product you're selling, but the experience you're giving. The space and the programming. We talk about that constantly, about what you feel like when you walk in here and how, and spending an entire day here going to an event, like we just think about the user experience a lot. It's a community space more than anything else. Yeah. Yes. If you, when you Google a business, the like information that pops up on the side, like their address and their hours, it also says average time spent here. Yeah. Ours is an hour and a half. That's awesome. It, for a while, it was three it hours. Was three hours. It went you have down. Some writers I read that actually hang out and like write their stuff here. Yeah, a lot. Cool. Yeah. Um, almost every day during the week, somebody's. Can you um, guys go over a couple minutes? Are you okay? Or are you hard? Yeah. Are yeah, you hard yeah. Um, okay. Because I have, I have, I can, I can. I can yeah. finagle this to make it a little bit shorter, but I just want to make sure we're okay. Yeah, for a few we're minutes. good. Okay, we, cool. Because we're having a yeah. great discussion. And I, yeah, you guys yeah. are fascinating. So, um, do you guys? That being said, I asked you guys about uh, expansion. Do you have plans to extend beyond one store? You guys are the only. You guys are still the only one in the country. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> is, a, is there is there a ripped bodice? franchise or like a we will never franchise we'll never franchise. um watch me say that in 10 years we franchise. i know um no we won't franchise um we're way too like anal for that i was gonna say we are <laughs> extremely um integral to the business like we've built it so yeah, of that course absolutely. We would, yeah we yeah, would you never guys are the jeff bezos's of your business so <laughs> i mean but the point i'm making is that if you take you guys out of the equation then it doesn't yeah. exist That's yeah the, um the answer is yes um, we decided when we opened that we wouldn't talk about a second location for three years, and we're two years in. Smart. We so, totally right. never do that ever. Ask us again in a year. I'll say show. talk about it seriously because w- people expand too quickly, and we really wanted to get our feet under us, and, and our minds tend to run ahead, and we needed to keep ourselves here. So we've got a year left, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> what do you say to people? Um, Especially for like the millennial generation, you guys are going to, you guys are, you guys are, whether you like it or not, you're kind of like a, a model for how to open a bookstore in 2000, in the, in the mid 2000s, late 2000s. Um, what do you say to somebody who wants to open a bookstore today? How can they make it work? A couple of things, one or two nuggets, do this, do that. You need this. Oh, it's such a hard question. It's I don't such know. a hard um, question. I mean, cause we get, and people ask us like once a week, we get an email from somebody who wants to do it. And so see, it's already happening. You guys have, yeah. It's and a, it's, and we we try to strike a line between we never want to discourage people, but we really want people to face reality as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we gave up our lives for mm-hmm. going on two years now. That has had real repercussions in our lives in good ways and in bad ways, but this has been the central focus of every single thing we have done for two years. We eat, sleep, think, talk this. It is not for the faint-hearted. It's also a financial nightmare. No, <laughs> I don't like no, that. No, I don't like that. But <laughs> my, my, my nugget was going to be when you open in the bank, you should have three times as much money as you think you should have before right. you Working open. capital. Yeah. yeah. And because the first six months, you don't want to have to close within six months because you don't have any money. Mm-hmm. Don't have runway. For um, sure. For sure. 
Which is why something like Kickstarter, we would so encourage young entrepreneurs to think about Kickstarter. Yeah, but you got- but go through the publicity route, you said. You right. The, the, the flip side of that is don't do Kickstarter on a whim. Yeah, don't think- I'm just going to have my friends donate. Your friends are busy doing their own thing. You need to reach your customers. And if you're reaching your customers, you need to have professional branding. You need to think about the rewards you're giving. And you need to think about what you're giving them in the end, which we knew was a bookstore in three months after finishing that Kickstarter. It's fascinating. How did you guys find your publicist? Was it was it word of mouth or did you? Did we you, Googled Google best, search? best Kickstarter <laughs> yeah. publicist. She is done. Sold. Cannot recommend Sabrina Dax enough. She's a Kickstarter publicist. That's what she does. Cool. She, and and Kickstarter is its own beast. It's a weird thing. You need someone who understands yeah. it. And she certainly did. Yeah. And we can talk about Kickstarter forever. But yeah, we I, can. <laughs> I, I will reiterate: don't do Kickstarter on a whim. Like you, but you have to be done. When your Kickstarter launches, that's not the time to be like figuring out yeah, your we, business plan. We do get we do get emails a lot. That's like I just launched a Kickstarter. It's like, well, you should have emailed us three months ago. Right. If you and Sabrina is a great example. Our publicist Sabrina doesn't work with. You yeah. have to contact her at least three months before you launch. She said she gets emails from people all the time on day one. She's like, sorry, like it's way too late for you. Um, it's a, you have to, this, the, I read this, you have to build your Kickstarter campaign months uh-huh. before. Months, yeah. months and months. It's a, it entirely depends on how much money you're raising. If right. you want to raise $5,000. What was your goal, by the way? 90. It was 90. Yeah. Okay. If you want to raise $5,000, you could probably do it on a whim. Sure. But if you're talking about serious money. money, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I feel like we should say something positive. And also, <laughs> live your dreams. Yeah, no, um, no, no. You, you, you said it best. Like, it's, it's a lifestyle choice. A couple of the other people that have answered that question, um, you know, you make, there's this very successful bookseller in Miami. Books and Books is the name of the yeah. store. They have multiple stores. He partnered with Judy Bloom. They opened a store in oh, Key West. Oh, well. we He's know. Really, really cool guy. We're obsessed um, with Judy Bloom. And... Um, he said it's a lifestyle choice. There's a lot of other businesses. If you're a business person, you can look at, if you line up all the different business opportunities, book selling is not going to be at the top of the list. It's a choice that you're making, but yeah, it's important to know that it's not like a fantasy when you open the store. Like there's six to nine months of intense sort of- Do you want to do, we, I just saw some outside, so we can do like 10 more minutes? Yeah, yeah, tops, okay. tops. I'm just going to do, I'll, we'll do a lightning round. Um, you can answer these yes, no. Um, if you want to deep dive, feel free. Uh, <laughs> okay. What does your business look like in five years? No idea. Oh my God, I have no idea. Probably a second location. Hopefully. Hopefully two locations. Same city or? Probably not. Probably not. But don't do you, hold us to that. Do you, do you <laughs> think that print will always exist? Yes. Is In this genre or yes, universally? Yes, always Both. in this genre. <laughs> what are you guys reading at the moment? Um... Uh, Barbarian <laughs> Touch, I think. <laughs> She's reading this Ice Planet Book Barbarian Book nine in the series. Ice Planet Barbarian series. Literally, I'm not kidding. That's what I'm reading. Um, also, uh, oh God, I got a uh, Noble Love by Tay Russ um, are the two books I'm reading right I, now. I have to go look in my bag. What am I reading? Love it. Literally She's going point. to check. Um, ah, I'm reading. I'll say it into the microphone. What are you oh reading? Oh, my gosh, are you? Oh, look, she's got him right there. Um, Kathy Maxwell, If Ever I Should Love You, which is her newest one. I fucking love Kathy Maxwell. I wrote about her in my graduate thesis. And The Kiss Quotient by Helen Hong. Oh, it's so good. Which is um, a brand new book from Berkeley. It's out. Um, June. In June. It has a heroin with Asperger's. When you guys Autism are, Spectrum when Disorder. When you guys are not reading. It's called Autism Spectrum Disorder now. And she talks about it in the book. Uh, you when it. you guys are not reading romance, what do you like to read? 
That's all we read. That's all you read. No, not me. <laughs> I read really weird history books. Yeah, I guess cool. that's true. Your Re- background is history, right? Yes. Yeah. So like really, really specific biographies of queens no one ever cares about. Um, I think you kind of already did this, but I'll ask anyway. Are there any writers out there you'd like to mention that you think should be getting more attention? Oh my God, oh my God. I would go on forever. We could literally ever. go on forever. Um, so breakout romance stars, Alyssa Cole writes both historical and contemporary. She is one of the best writers writing today. She is, her book should be made into movies yesterday. They are amazing. She, her new contemporary is like, what if um, the Nigerian scam email, Prince scam emails you get are real? And the guy shows up and is like, I'm here to marry you. I am your betrothed. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> and it's so funny and good. And then her historicals are about spies in the Civil War. And they're just as good. And they're so beautifully researched. She's amazing. I think um, I think the most interesting person writing an erotica today is Sierra Simone, um, who's doing really great really great things in erotica. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I read over break uh, Peter Darling, which is a trans romance. Um, it's, oh, I still haven't read that. It's a retelling of the Peter Pan story, and it's one of the most brilliant. Who's the author on that? Austin Chant, who I I love. I just downloaded Coffee Boy, which is another one by them. Um, I don't know. I'm like, what else I know, is we're just like looking at our shelves. Um, there's so, mu- there's so, so many, many brilliant people in romance who do not get their due outside of the genre. It's very upsetting to us. Well, you highlighted some. Some. Yeah. (laughs) We could talk forever. For sure. Um, Okay. Last question. Um, Indulge me. So Fabio's been to the store. Um, What was that like? What's his nexus to the genre? Can you guys kind of encapsulate who he is. Oh, we're what, going there. Oh, yeah. Fabio, just, you're... Just let's fuck end, let's, Fabio. Fuck Fabio. We're done. We're okay. so mad at Fabio. So that was t- over two years ago. Okay. Fuck Fabio. And he's now on Fox News. Yeah. Like, shilling for the demons. He's a really big Trump supporter. Wow. And that is... And you don't get to be a face of this genre. not okay with us. Nope. 100 million nope. books. Nope. Nope. Covers thousands. He made his money... Because of women, and now he's out there, like, you know, on board with the party that thinks women are evil. So. Yeah. So Fabio came in, and we were thrilled. We've I, I've read this genre. I've studied this genre. To meet Fabio was like meeting the Pope. I, no, no. Nora would be meeting the Pope. Meeting Nora Roberts would be meeting the Pope. But meeting Fabio was very exciting. He was delightful. He was so nice. He understood how important he was to the genre, and really respectful. He was very kind and respectful. So it was so disappointing when he showed up on Fox News spouting his bullshit about how immigrants... It, by the way, he's a brand new U.S. citizen. So whatever he was saying was horrible and wrong and we're very mad at him. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I, Not that he cares. We, we got to end on a high note. Okay? Sorry. So, no, hold on. So I have to ask you one more question yeah. just so we can turn it back Please. Please. Um, what, uh, what's in your ideal sandwich? Uh, cheese. What is, uh, oh, I was going to say, um, you know the Elvis, the bacon, peanut butter, banana. Ooh, I've heard that. Yeah. That thing is delicious. Really? I, I, bread is my favorite food. It is. So like really good, just like really good bread and then just like cheese. Yeah. Maybe some butter. Awesome. She's boring, but you guys, this was a delight. Thank you. We're, we're I'm in, I'm in, uh, in your beautiful store. I love the the skylights. The whole place is so inviting. Uh, what you guys are doing is special and inspirational and really cool. And I wish you well. Thank, Thank you so you much so for much. having us. Thank you. I'm Vic Singh, and you've been listening to Book Stories. 
Book Stories is produced by Alternate Thursdays in Los Angeles. 